Welcome to the season one finale of Crazy Poultry Inc. I am your host, Ian Guile Loco, and we're here to do a very special closer for this first season. And with me joining to talk about this special subject is the longtime standing comrade here, Nickerish Chickenwood. Hi, all. Happy Sunday. And. Mr. He's just here to just disturb anything and a comment, George Sol Phoenix. Hello. Uh, so right off the bat, guys, how are you doing this uh, fine Sunday? Yeah, it's kind of gloomy out, you know. Yeah, here, here this time still, was, yeah. yeah, and we're still in 2020, so. Yeah, we can't really get too much positivity, right? No. Uh, but we are, however, celebrating the first year of this podcast going on. So congrats to that, guys. <laughs> coming from YouTube to different streaming and now this one, so... I've been very happy with this and hopefully we can just continue to get better and hopefully it'll be more streamlined when things kind of try to get back to normal. <laughs> not, not, not that I ever condone really much of normal because I, I don't really believe in normal. I don't, uh, think, it, I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, you guys have any, uh, comments about this you know year long of the of the event uh starting with you mr nick it's definitely been a roller coaster because you know we've we've covered so many different things and done so many different tournaments i don't know it, it's been a good time though yeah and we've had to open up the variety because clearly the intent here was to talk about film and movies but with things going how they are we're like you know what we just have to open this up to almost anything now because who knows when we could talk about film really or new releases yeah uh, then really streaming things and really uh just always coming back here to talk about like older films would probably get old yeah uh, george have you felt about being a part of this i'm still here yeah, <laughs> but how have you felt about being a part of the team for this year and season? Uh, I honestly, I don't mind. Uh, I know you, you needed a little bit of like filling out of numbers, and I have no life, therefore I'm the easiest available to come and help you out. So, twenty twenty hasn't you- affected me because I would have been inside anyways. So. I'm like a little cave very, goblin. Uh, <laughs> well, very, very true. But I mean, as long as you've also been enjoying doing this, that's another positive that I wanted to get out there. Uh, but you know what? Let's kind of just go ahead and move straight on because uh, for this special first ever season finale i was trying to think of something that we could do that might be special or 
cover a certain topic. I kind of didn't want to do another Rotten Eggs because we just had an epic one. So uh, I kind of wanted to try to maybe save like another one. But one thing that we also hadn't really done is like talk about a certain director or something that we that we all enjoy or has made some kind of contribution in a big way. So I decided could call this like a director's corner, not so much of a tournament tournament thing, but just like a talk about like their career and how much they've impacted us. And then we could kind of dive into something a little bit later. That's not necessarily in the tournament way, but a little different. And that man, if you could tell by the special intro that I had recorded, uh, is Tim Burton. Mr. Goth, goth uh, film himself. Uh, guys, I don't know about you, but uh, T- Tim Burton is definitely a big influence in, on me and definitely has a, hit a chord with me as far as film going uh, and the style and stuff. So uh, if you could, best to your ability, do you remember your first and how is he meant to you, uh, Mr. Nick? Uh, my first film, I believe, was uh, Batman Returns. Um, I just remember that being such a dark film and not knowing who Tim Burton was at the time. You know, I didn't really get why it was so dark, but, you know, now that I know who he is, I got his direction. And the two of my favorite genres in movies is fantasy and horror. And he, of course, puts the goth in that. So I just like the, you know, all the dark undertones and Batman Returns. And then, of course, he followed that with all of his other movies. So that was my first uh, experience with Mr. Burton. Well, that's very uh, interesting how you saw a sequel before the original. Right. (laughs) I'm just now wondering how that happened because did he stay or was he just kind of thrown in there? Like, Hey, we're watching this movie, and you're now going to be think part I was, of this. And you're just like, uh, I was really young, and I think we went and saw it in the theaters. My dad was like, "Yeah, we're going to take you to see Batman Returns." So, and I do, and then immediately, and immediately after, he was like, yeah. "Oh God, what did I?" Yeah, he's like, from? "I thought it was going to be so, you know, cheery and, you know, happy." Well, this one is Batman cheery or happy. Well. <laughs> I think you mean like the like, well, the, like the TV series. You mean like the one with what Adam West? Adam West, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had a Batman like that, and or or it's Adam West. Or, or then later, John Walker. Uh, well, gotta admit, I was a little bit surprised, but now that kind of answers a few things on my part. Uh, Mr. George, do you possibly remember your first Burton movie and how it's? I think it was Beetlejuice. 30% I think it was the first Batman. But I'm 70% sure I mean, it was Beetlejuice. <laughs> well, uh, do you kind of remember your feelings after that experience and how his and now how Tim Burton has been on your life at all? I might have a condition, so let's not go into that. But <laughs> <laughs> we all have a condition. Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe it had an effect on me. Maybe it didn't. I've, I've, I think I've always had like a slight fascination with the weird and the creepy. I, yep. I think my the first horror film I think I even remember like watching was Tremors, and that terrified me. As oh, a child. nice, so, nice. But I, I've always possibly a few yeah. It's like eggs. as far as the the Burton goes, it's like. I think maybe I more associate with seeing those stark contrasts with blacks and whites and the crazy kind of patterns and stuff more with Burden than anything else. I, I think later when I saw yeah. Pee Wee's uh, like Playhouse, for example, I would not have recognized that as a Burden film. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Pee yeah. Wee's Big Adventure made from Pee Wee's. Playhouse. The Pee-wee movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there's also a Netflix holiday special, which is pretty darn good, too. Um, yeah, I... Going over this list and stuff, it's very close. Uh, it's either between the original Batman 89 or Nightmare Before Christmas for me, I think, as far as the first Burton film I saw. I'm just going to lean into the Batman just just because uh, I remember that I watched it so many times on VHS, one of the very few VHSs I remember. That, and now that I actually own a copy again, so that's nice. Um, yeah, I, that, that was my Batman, and it's still one of my biggest Batman movies. Uh, and... As far as then exploring now and seeing the rest of Burton's filmography and stuff, uh, it definitely does ring a bell with me, both visually and personally, because like we have all kind of now said, we have a thing for the weird, dark, and creepy. And that is definitely one thing that he thrives on, uh, probably mostly due to how he grew up and now how he puts it into his films. In fact, if you kind of follow his filmography and how his life was going at the time, you actually could correlate like how that is going into the film. So, uh, so after revisiting a number of them, I could actually see like that he's putting his life and his kind of, you know, probably mental traumas on screen. So I felt even more, connection with it and the fact that i've now grown a giant appreciation for stop motion stuff and he's a giant advocate for it that only helps me like him even more i think that's probably uh, why i haven't appreciated for it myself such as like uh with like like what is cubo and the two strings yeah Kubo. Kubo. yeah that, that is excellent uh that that was my best picture Best animated picture of the year. Even though I still, yeah, even though I still admit Zootopia is really good, but come on, stop motion does not get the respect. Um, but but let let's all admit here, when a director has good highs, he does have some mm. lows, and what does he? And most of those are remakes. <laughs> Or adaption stuff that he did not kind of think of in his head himself. A, n- a number of these he actually 
you know, was inspired by something and he turned it into his own. Like Pee Wee, I'd never thought for the longest time that I was a bird film. And, and, and because I watched the television series and then when I saw the movie, it didn't really click with me. But then after I started watching a few more of his films and I went back and I was like, oh gosh, I'm seeing it now multiple times. Uh, whether it's the creepy stop motion dinosaur, the messed up clowns that uh, are in the operating table, to even the like very askew planted like architecture stuff. Because that's another big thing for him is because that's from uh, German expressionism, which is a big influence on him. Uh, but yeah, it's very much like how uh, Stand By Me, I never thought was a um, Stephen King so awesome. adaptation. Because I was just like, what? what? What about this really strange <laughs> horror? But it is a dark theme, so. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I guess we could then kind of like swerve this into, because I think we all could admit that we, we enjoy his work. We, we're very uh, excited usually for when he has a new project. It's just usually sometimes when we see the trailer for the project, and we're like, oh, no, <laughs> he's doing that now. Uh, but I also give a little bit of leeway because I'm like, well, but if he doesn't have some big hits, he then can't do the smaller budget stuff that he likes to do because he does need a bigger budget because he likes the practical and the sets. Yep. I was going to bring that up and, like uh, earlier in his career that he uh, repeatedly uh, possessed the ability to produce hits with low budgets. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but, but I've also gone back and I've watched some yep. of his shorts now too. Uh, like I finally got around to watching Vincent, his first ever stop motion which I, I think is really about good and dark and theme. And it's so funny how, because it's clearly about him and it's uh, him talking about how much he enjoyed and idolized mm -hmm. Vincent Price and Vincent Price, the narrator. Oh, nice. Because that, that's another thing. I also look at him as like a film geek that really just kind of might be like kind of geeking out when he gets to try to work with some of his icons that he watched growing up, like Vincent Price, uh, Christopher yeah. Lee. You can almost think of any kind of English yeah, actor. He was, Christopher Lee was in six fan. of his movies. Yeah. Uh, and one one of them even had a little bit of a Easter egg homage to him yeah. as Dracula, so that was nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I will always have him towards anticipated just now when I see the trailers, I'll be like, Oh boy, I, I, I might be in a Rocky uh, thing going into it. But I will give it a show. chance. Uh, yeah. So uh, other than that, if uh, unless you guys have any kind of other words you want to get out about burden, uh, could dive into a very uh, special ranking system that I attempted to do and we'll get out there. 
so basically what I did was I got the results back from Mr. Nick and Damon, who was sadly not going to be a part of this live, but he will be inserted here. He inserted. In some way. <laughs> uh, from number one to 21 of Burton's projects. I say projects because Nick can also verify this, that me, him, and Damon did a bracket system for determining the best Burton films, and we did not include some of them because he was not the di- he was not the director. Yeah, he was the I believe he directed nineteen. So, mm. Yeah, uh, so so I decided to throw in a couple, especially one because it is so synonymously known for Burton, but he was not the director. So I threw in another one that he was a producer and a big influence on. Uh, so I took all that. I averaged them out, and then when I had three ties, uh, Mr. Soul Phoenix George kind of came in and Yay, George the tie, basically. Here to help. <laughs> um, so what I think we could do is just kind of start with the worst one, and then kind of have like a five have like a five and then another five and we can kind of just as briefly or shortly as talk about them. But we can spend a little bit of time on what was averaged out to be the worst Burton film. And that's his remake oh, of yeah. Planet Ace. Uh th- this was definitely in the running. Uh Mr. Nick, you had it at your worst. Uh, I had it at my second worst, and Damon had it at his second worst. Uh, yeah, I. the only reason why I gave it just a little bit more credit over my last uh, is because I will admit that throughout the film, the makeup and the plastics and stuff are really great. And uh, I think it was uh, Tim Roth yep. who plays the That's correct. lead villain. He's kind of he's kind of entertaining as far as like oh god he's really going over the top but other than that it's a really kind of slowish and boring and don't really care for the characters and the ending <laughs> oh that ending uh, any quick uh, words about your worst I think it was just because I have uh, grown up with such a fascination of Planet of the Apes and then I saw that. And while, you know, the cast was, you know, there was a lot of people in that movie. I'd forgotten that, you know, Paul Giamatti and uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, of course, how could you forget about Marky Mark? But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't have any connection with it and didn't like it and was completely disappointed by it because I was really excited to see it. And, you know, we now know today how bad it was. Yep. Uh, George, do you have any quick words on the Planet of the Apes remake? It was supposed to be a remake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or reimagining. It's like, as far as the film uh, itself went, it wasn't the best, but I think it actually, the rest of it, like Beyond Burden, actually didn't do that terribly as a film. 
like I've seen quite a bit of behind the scenes for all that stuff, and it's quite impressive what they did behind that mechanically. But I, I guess I'm a little disappointed that it didn't, you know, produce something a bit better. But I think that was just more or less the scripting yeah. than anything. I think if the scripting would have been better, it would have been, yeah. you know, uh, not as bad as it was. Yeah. Uh, Burton actually barely actually doesn't write scripts. He always comes up with like the concepts and then he hires script writers. So there's a little bit of food for that there. So then, then we have 20 to 15, which we can kind of quickly go over as much as we can. And that's with number 20 is the remake of Dumbo. Uh, number 19, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Number 18, Alice in Wonderland. Is there a theme right now? Uh, 17, Miss Peregrine's Home for, was it Extraordinary Children or Peculiar Children? I think I've seen that one. Uh, six, it's got Eva Green. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of her, number 16, yep. Dark Shadows. And at 15, this was the surprise for me. Mars attacks. Huh. Uh, I mean, Nick and I did do a review for Dumbo on a, on the YouTube channel, which if you are ever so inclined to go check out, it was part of a big selection of reviews we did. Uh, D Dumbo was Damon's least, but I think that has to do with the fact that he's yeah, also yeah. not seen it. Uh. I, I had Dumbo just slightly higher. I had it over Mars Attacks, actually. Uh, and you had it also relatively low, Nick. Uh, just barely above Alice in Wonderland. And then yeah. Dark Shadows, actually. Um, wow. Yeah, I, the, the, the remakes, I can just quickly say, yeah, they are pale in comparison to the original. They kind of destroy what was set out basically from those, in my opinion, uh, Miss Peregrine's, I can give it some credit that it is something that he did based on something that he was enjoyed. It's just really yeah, slow at times. Uh, dark shadows, I think has actually some entertainment quality in it. And like we just previously mentioned, Eva green knows what and she's in. So a lot of part of that movie looked really it. cool to me, you know, I mean, it's yeah, but it's just the script and the characters that are also the problem. And as we did mention in our thing uh, for the Burden films, uh, not a giant Mars Attacks fan. Uh, I just did get the humor, and I just was just kind of annoyed most of the time. What it was, but yeah. And the only reason why it made it so much higher is because, well, frankly, Damon has it <laughs> closer to the middle, so he's so he's the. I wild think it was a little higher, here. little uh, like I wouldn't say higher, but I think it was a little higher than some of them for me because I watched it so many times, and it was like a. I knew it wasn't a great movie, but I don't know. It just it stuck with me. Don't ask me why. Oh, well, it would stick with me, but it, I was just yeah. left with questions. I was just like, what? And, I mean, he's even, Tim Burton's even come out and said in interviews that he kind of made that as, like, 
not a great place in his life and he was really again wanting to go against the norm uh george do you have any other quick thoughts on any of these even if, if you have seen them Hmm. My mind's a toaster. Sorry. <laughs> well, we rounded it every once in a while. Um. <laughs> the 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 next the next few we have uh, number fourteen. We have his return to a smaller kind of feeling. That's big eyes. Number 13, this is where uh, it's a bit much for me because I was just like, really? This is how it factors out, but okay. Uh, number 13 is Frankenweenie. I, I, was, I was very surprised I like that how low that got. Um, number 12, Sweeney Todd. Number 11, Corpse Bride. And to start the top 10, sleep. Uh, number of uh, Johnny Depp films there in a row. And I can just get this then also out of the way. This is the biggest surprise to me because it's a film that Tim Burton helped produce. He didn't direct. But I mean, I guess if you want to say that you get the feeling of Burton, I could seal it. And that's at number nine, oh, yeah. James and the Giant Peach. Watched that a ton as a kid. Yeah, uh, I did too. It's just not been a film that I've felt like really be re revisiting a whole lot. Um, and also now that I just see it not as a burden film, that's also kind of shocking to me because I'm like, why didn't I think back then that this was a burden film? Uh, again, my own personal preferences are out of here, but yeah, I, I was personally a little bit shocked at that some of that. So low, that it was so high. Uh, well, that uh, James was so high, Frank and Weenie was lower than I thought. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I was a little, a little bit, but not totally shocked on Sleepy Hollow, too, because that's also one I really enjoy. Um. Think, think for my notes here. Uh, I had Sleepy Hollow the highest, uh, and then it's a bit lower for Nick. And boy, uh, <laughs> Damon had it below a number of things that I was. He like, hates wow. that story, <laughs> though. Okay, I think well, <laughs> he, he hates the story. Okay. Uh, good. Because let's see, puts Mars attacks over <laughs> Frankenweenie, big eyes, Sweeney Todd, he's a Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> and he's a special. Boy. Yeah, he has his own. He, he has his own taste, which we will <laughs> allow. But wow, we'll allow it. So, some sometimes, so, sometimes we just feel like we have to question. Uh. At n and at number eight here, uh, have Pee Wee's Big oh, Adventure. Damn. Yeah, I was, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how high up it got because this also is one that doesn't have really the highest, or you know, 
you know, what you would think of as an average as far as like critical reception and audience. It's actually barely low on his actual IMDb. But I don't know if it's because that's his first and they just don't know what they're getting or if they're turned off by what he was doing. But I don't know. I, I think it's a kind of shockingly really low for as far as I can critically received. Nah, not really. Do you have something to say, George? Okay. Uh, and we, we kind of briefly did talk about Oh, yeah, a little bit. Alone, then, so. It's yeah. not really our fault. Uh, but uh, this this was one of the ties, though, that George was the tiebreaker for. And now up at number seven, I, I, and I have a feeling that George and I are probably the two out of us that would have this, the highest range. Yeah. And that would be Big Fish. Uh. I mean, you know, of course, uh, I actually had Big Fish at number three because I, I really love this movie. Uh, and I actually revisited it again. I, I love like the storytelling. I love the acting. And, yeah, the, the effects are also really good, too. It's also it's still like, very strange. With, as I was going to say, that might be, be. strangest. <laughs> that, that, that was crazy. I don't know. That, that's saying something. Um. Yeah. Uh. Let's see here. You, you and Damon kind of had it in the same range as far as ranking. Uh. Again, that's just my own personal feelings. Uh. So, so, what are your thoughts on as a whole of Big Fish? Uh, that was Nick? actually the. I want to say one of the more recent ones I saw because you let me borrow it. Um. I. It was crazy. Like. Not not as far as like to follow it, but the you know how things were happening and what he's when you think something you thought was going to happen happened and it didn't. You were like okay, so but you definitely got the Burton feeling feelings and vibes from it. <laughs> Danny DeVito. <laughs> uh, well, and also again, if you are kind of tracking this as far as like his life going experience uh he was in a pretty committed relationship and he was but he's also dealing with the issues that he's yeah. always had with his dad uh which funny enough i did not know this his dad was a professional baseball player hmm. did not know that uh and of course tried to get his son into sports <laughs> he wasn't a fan of it so he took on so he took on a lot of his mom's quirks, really, and that she was, yeah, and that she was a drawer, and so he kind of yeah. took that inspiration. <laughs> uh, but moving on at number six, uh, the big one that is not Burton directed, but is associated with Burton because it's kind of in the title. Tim Burton That's production. Nightmare Before Christmas. So good. Yeah, uh, the, this, as I mentioned, was probably second uh, Burton film I ever saw, which would be the first stop motion that I probably ever saw. And yeah, I've been drawn and connected to this film and 
even a little bit more now because of my appreciation for stop motion and the simple uh, storytelling that it is. Because it, it's barely over that feature length, too. It's like only like an hour and 19 minutes. Uh, but boy, it uses every second great, oh, yeah. and the music is awesome. Over two hundred different heads for just Jack Skellington alone. Yeah. Yep. There, there's, there's even I think a little uh, Jack Skellington cameo as the Scarecrow in Sleepy Hollow. Mm. So that's kind of cool too. Revisit them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like right, right at the beginning, before he beheads the first guy, he runs in a mm-hmm. cornfield or or some kind of field, and there's a scarecrow there, and it does a close up, and I'm like, that looks like Skellington before he, you know, <laughs> jumps in the green water. So, uh, yeah, and I think it'd be kind of stupid not to say how much this yeah. has impacted pop culture and just like the the merchandising and the clothing and stuff like that it, it, I think it's kind of like the benchmark for like hot topic <laughs> or something like that if you don't have Nightmare Before Christmas we're, we're not coming in here it's like it's like half the store Nightmare Before uh, Christmas sort of I think they're more nowadays almost like geared towards yeah. anime for some reason there's more DBZ stuff in there than anything else now or uh my Hero Academia, or... Uh, yeah, My Hero Academia, and then metal bands. Yeah! You get all these, like, metal shirts and crap. Yep. Yeah. But then you always have a small section of, hey, yeah, like here's some Nightmare Before Christmas like, stuff, too. Plushies and stickers and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, which, oddly <laughs> enough, I have still not bought any, which I... I, I feel like I'm kind of discrediting it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the biggest shock to me was that this was not yeah. directed by Burton. I just, this is mostly his like short stories and he came up with the concept of the characters and he just helped them fund it. But the fact that his name is basically in the title <laughs> misleading is kind of, uh, Deceiving and also kind of like I think a little bit of a slap to the face of the actual director. He's not because really known at he's all not, for it. I mean, he's not sure, getting the credit. He's in the so. credits and all that crap, but it's not like you immediately think his name. Like, can you even name off his name, Ian, without looking at your cheese sheet? Nope, not with. <laughs> I can't without looking at my phone. So, and that that's just the point that I'm trying to make. So. Uh, but yeah, this easily I could see a scene in the top 10. I thought maybe possibly top five, but it got close. Uh, but now to start the top five, and these two were another one that it was a tie, so George had to be the tiebreaker, and that was at number five, Batman Returns, and at number four, Batman 89. Uh, as as you did mention, Nick, uh, and this does answer then my question when I had when I saw your list. Uh, Batman Returns yep. was number one for you, and I I assume it's because probably well, due that, to the fact that it was I your first one. I just think it's and then, you know, the, the total package, man. I think it was 
one of his, I, th- I believe it was one of his first movies, if not his first, that he actually had the budget to do it with. And I believe that he, you know, I don't know. It, it, he, I thought it was hit out of the park, man. Home run. Yeah. Uh, well, this was the one that a lot of people say, like, he was basically given the yep. blank check from Warner Brothers because Batman 89 was a giant hit. Um, I think it was like top five, maybe even top three grossing films in 89 when it came out. Um, so without it doing well, he would not have been able to do Batman Returns, which we've got into discussions already before, but why he, with all the Burtonisms and stuff that he threw in there, it's probably what was a giant turnoff for several. Uh, and then the giant nail in that coffin for him was the fact that uh, McDonald's had trouble <laughs> selling Happy Meals because of the serving content. And yet, while I do admit if I'm told to say like which is I would associate with him, I would definitely lean towards Batman Turns because it is darker and it does have those, you know, edgier jokes and stuff too. And let's not forget Christopher Walken is also in it. Yeah. Uh, but I just felt like the first one is a bit more cohesive and it's a bit simpler telling and it it also just has a bigger impact for me since it's the first Batman I saw. And I, I think uh, George also sent it to me, which he can just then repeat. A giant nail for that also is... Uh, Mr. Jack Nicholson as the Joker, which I can throw it down to you, George, about your feelings on the films. Uh, oh boy, I'm not gonna go into like any of the heavy <laughs> stuff on that, but like my my minor quip about the the fir- that first Batman was there was. Do you guys remember the bell tower scene? Yeah, there is sequence mm-hmm. breaking in that. If you uh, like. That bell, uh, the giant bell in it gets dropped, like, pretty early on in that fight. And then later on, um, he then throws somebody, the, the final guy, against the bell, and the bell goes down with him. But he's already cut the rope oh, on that shit. bell. Well, I'm just even... wondering, is it a multiple No, it's bell the one big bell. Chapel. So they drop the same bell <laughs> twice. That <laughs> In two different scenes. So... There's some sequence breaking in it, but it's overall pretty good. Like, if, if anything, from Batman and Returns, the most, like, magical thing I remember is just, you know, Penguin floating down on his damn umbrella. Because, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, going back to the regular Batman, it's like, I quite like Jack Nicholson as his mobster New Yorker kind of, you know, Joker. Because it's not really something as done often so usually jokers like this witty or clever sort of manipulative thing with this weird end joke where jack nicholson just like i got a suit and a gun i'm gonna shoot it and then i'm gonna laugh maniacally <laughs> so well but let's not put it across that he delivers probably some of the most memorable you know joker quotes now that are just so easy to say like uh, you're my number one guy, or Bob Gunn, or the, the, the 
one of the most famous that is just like, I don't quite understand this, but I'm fascinated. Which, yeah, that does sound like Nicolas Cage from Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> you ever dance with the devil, the pale of the moonlight? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I could. I also see that a lot of people though were not fans because of the whole way he's turned into Joker or the fact that Batman is connected with him turning. Yeah, but... but you also gotta remember this, again, though, when it comes to the Joker, no matter what you do with the Joker, no matter how good you are doing with the Joker, you're probably gonna get a lot of backlash with the Joker. Right. Except for the actual movie yeah. Joker that came out not too long ago. So. Now, the new Joker, everybody seems to unanimously like that. Maybe maybe times well, are a change. <laughs> not everyone, but uh, eh. I, oddly enough, oddly enough, if Warner Brothers and DC ever want a a Oscar for them, Joker has to be in the movie because uh, Batman eighty nine won for best uh, set design. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix won best actor. Heath Ledger won best supporting actor. And then Suicide Squad won best visual oh, effects. God, which, which which that was just like what? Uh, but apparently the pattern is if you have Joker in the film, you're at least guaranteed an Oscar. It's very very much like when Chris, Christoph Waltz wants to really try, he works with Quentin Tarantino. He's guaranteed an Oscar. <laughs> um. But yeah, now moving on to the top three. At number three, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Nice. A one that has definitely been a giant chord for me as far as, you know, I connect with personally and uh, just have the feelings of Burton-isms also there. And the fact that he also went through a number of actors actually to play Edward and a number of them wanted that, him to change the ending because they didn't like the dour ending. And he said, Nope, I'm keeping that ending. And Johnny Depp was the only one that didn't fight him on it. So, and then he uh, ended up with eight, eight of his films. So <laughs> yeah, this, this is what started the relationship. And, and he met him on the set of uh, 21 jump street. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Who who could have thought that Tim Burton would have been on a set for Twenty One Jump Street? Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, this was also one that took me a little bit of time to appreciate because I think the first time I saw it, I was a little bit young and I wasn't really sold on it. But then when I got older and I revisited, I'm like, oh gosh, I. I, I just am Edward in sometimes, so that's just why I connect so much to it. Uh, you have scissors on your hands? But No, not quite. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but, you know, we all have something like scissor hands, so. Uh, yeah, Nick, do you have any quick thoughts? Yeah, that's, I think Edward Scissorhands is arguably like the most burton fronted film as far as like the look goes and the feeling i don't i remember seeing it when i was pretty young as well and i 
didn't necessarily think right away it was Johnny Depp because you know it was kind of hard to tell it's him. But then you actually look at his face real close, and it's but the makeup and the look yeah. of it is all really cool. And then the scissor hands they made, it, I don't know, it was just a really cool movie. Yeah. Uh, any quick thoughts on Edward from George? Oh no, I just keep replaying the last like scene where they're on the roof over and over again in my head. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like that's the well, most. It's either that scene or it's the scene where uh, him and the girl are like in the like little central atrium room, where he's kind of like in the shadow mm-hmm. and she's in the light and metaphors and euphemisms. <laughs> yeah, I I I, I kind of like to think of him like carving out the ice with Renona Wider dancing. So well, then he brought her back from Beetlejuice. So yeah, uh, well, this does now answer a question. Which should I mention though first, number one or number two? Because it does give it away, either way. Probably. But, probably you know what? what do you think it is, Nick? Well, I have a feeling that Edward is one and Beetlejuice is two. I'm going to be contrary well, and say Beetlejuice is one and Edward is two. There you go, Ian. Take it away. <laughs> well, let's just say, then say Nick is right. So at, num- at number two is Beetlejuice. Uh, I, I, I had a feeling it was going to be these top two because these were actually the top two at the end of our bracket. Yeah. So, uh I, I mean, I just look at the stats here, and Be- Beetlejuice is number two for Nick, uh, number three for Damon, and number five for me. So it's like, of course, it's going to make it that high. Uh, but it's also one of his earlier ones and his first Michael Keaton one. Oh, so yes. And, and in a way, I say that Beetlejuice is kind of like Keaton playing the Joker. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I feel like he played both Batman and Joker, <laughs> also because they then they happened almost simultaneously, right after another. Uh, but yeah, this is another really just standard Burton one that just is very funny, also kind of touching at times, but it is really funny. And the like the like set stuff. Yeah, and the, the set designs are so freaking cool. Yeah, uh, both an entire set within the set. So, <laughs> yeah, and actually, that uh, stop motion snake sequence. Yep, the sand snake. They, they they hadn't cast uh, Keaton yet, so they didn't know how the face was going to look. So they actually had that finished. They just didn't have the head yet. <laughs> so finally, then casted Keaton, and they made his design, that's when they then were able to put the head on the snake. Huh. And, that's interesting. and a very uh, contradictory fact, Beetlejuice was written originally very differently. He was actually going to be way more uh, provocative, <laughs> sick, and kind of, kind of coming off a rapist-like. Oh, God. So I feel like it was a good thing they looked back over there and were like, you know, we're just going to have him be more of a Wisecracker with some sense of pedophilia, but and also if you realize it's called Beetlejuice, he's actually not really in it that much. He's only in it for a grand total of like seventeen to eighteen minutes, and he doesn't even 
come in to the film like 30 minutes into so yeah it's the it, it's kind of, centered around you know the couple and the daughter yeah which are they're all actually very good actors and i also really like uh young alec baldwin and mm-hmm. gina davis yep uh but yeah uh no surprise here that Beetlejuice made it this far, but it could not dethrone number one being Ed Wood. Because uh, for, for a fact, Nick, you had Ed Wood at three. Yeah. I, ha- I had Ed Wood at number one, and Damon also had it at number one. Uh, to, to me, I, after I finally watched this, I've gone back several times, and the reason why it's number one for me as far as like a Burton film is that yes, you don't have the Danny Elfman music, which is rare. I think it was uh, only three films that didn't have Danny Elfman. Yeah. Um, and you also don't have a lot of makeup really because it's shot in black and white, yeah. uh, especially for death. This is like the only film I think on this list that he's actually been a part of Burton and he's not really wearing aggressive makeup. <laughs> uh, but to me, what it just helps come across is that this is like Burton trying to make movies in Hollywood and trying to get them funded and made and then going back and appreciating like the effort and the love for making the film. Because that's what Ed Wood was really known for. His quality, no, not so much. It's, he's known as like now the worst filmmaker of all time. But what you couldn't you know, say contrary is that he wasn't enthusiastic and he wanted to do it so bad. He just had so much trouble and maybe not the best sense creative wise. And I think that has a lot of, you know, facts on burden. That's what he just, that is him. He wants to make stuff and be a creator, but he has trouble sometimes getting them off the ground. And it's also, I think, probably in my top three, maybe top Johnny Depp performance, because I think he does become Ed Wood. He's definitely, uh, Burton's definitely a risk taker, but oh. it's worked more often than it hasn't. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That is for, <laughs> no, I just realized that I can, my, I can manually change the color of my controller, and it just, like, mothed me to the flame. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Bit, bit of randomness. I, I, I got concerned. My controller uh, suddenly turned pink, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> uh, George, do you have any words on uh, Edward? Really? It really. It's like burden squared for the most part. It, it's the most burdeny burdened film to ever have been been by burden. I wonder how many... Bees were in that bo, sentence. Bo, bo, Think five. Bo, bo, bo. Bo, bo, Burton. Um, yeah, and uh, also that uh, if I'm remembering his name right, uh, Martin Landown' yep. performance yep. of Bella Lugosi is really good, and it won an Oscar. So I personally love probably one of the. I yeah. personally love George Steele myself. Yeah, George Animal Steele. Also, Bill Murray. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm pretty. I think that this what is is the only film that Bill Burton 
Bill Murray actually was a part of. That we know of. He so, could have been in, you know, deleted scenes somewhere. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, I, and I always uh, think back to when uh, they're being baptized in the pool. And he, he's, it's his turn to get baptized. And he's like, do you reject Satan and all his glory? He's like, sure. <laughs> And he, he gets dunked, and when he goes over to Ed Wood, he just says, how do you do it? How do you get all your friends to get baptized just to make a movie? <laughs> and it's like, well, because you're good to your friends. So, uh, yeah, well, so, guys, that was the unofficial but official rankings on the current Burton Projects Uh and also, I'm just going to ask real quick, if, if you can, maybe not necessarily your top five, but maybe top five that you connect with the most. And like as a quick run through, I'll give mine, which are Ed Wood, Edward, uh, Batman 89, <laughs> uh, probably Pee Wee and Big Fish. Uh, Mr. Nick. Uh, I'm going to go Batman Returns, Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas, Ed Wood, and Edward Scissorhands. Uh, George, uh, do you think I mean, you have not it? in any particular order, but I definitely want to say that Beetlejuice and Nightmare are two of them for sure. I, I want to say I can relate with Frank and Weenie quite a bit, but... That's just because I've I've owned animals yeah. for most of my life, so I it, it always sucks when you actually do lose one. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I gotta say I do like uh, Pee Wee and all of its crazy goofiness, and I do appreciate the uh, just the storytelling of Big Fish a lot. So I, th- I yeah. think that would be that's fine. Yeah. I, I think that also Pee Wee's just underrated as far as a comedy. I think it just hits a lot of the childish humor that I still have. The sad thing is, you know, Paul Rubens gets a bad rap, so a lot of people look at Pee Wee Herman as, you know. What? Well, well, oddly enough, uh, as a connection here, uh, Paul Rubin is then in Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, he is. Because he, he plays – Penguin's biological dad, yeah. <laughs> but I I found I I found I found out that the woman that's playing his wife was also in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, she's the one that he convinces to go to Paris. <laughs> Damn! So I was just like, so wait, when Pee Wee and her then just decide to finally get together, they <laughs> make the Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected with Burton, man. I'm telling you. Yep, there there is a connection of Burton. Uh, so yeah, uh, well, guys, I think we're getting close to the end here. Uh, any final words that you want to get out about Burton and continuing on this path on being a part of this podcast, Mister Nick? I just wanted to say, you know, in a way. Now, hear me out. He kind of reminds me of Jericho just because Jericho is good at many things. And he's an accomplished artist, poet, author, director, animator, graphic designer, you name it. And 
his two biggest influences that I saw, and, and it makes sense now, is Dr. Seuss and Roald Dahl, and it, I just think it's really cool. And I did, he made makes films his own, and you know, I I hope he continues on a path, maybe not for remakes, but for other movies. And I hope in the future he does that Superman with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> well, he does want to have Brainiac as the villain, so do it. Uh, uh, George, any last thoughts well, on Burton? I, I think there is a bit of a pattern. Usually after he does like a couple terrible remakes, usually then comes out with a heavy swing that's a good one. So we're due for yeah. a good, like, really good Burton film coming up. So. Yep. Well, they keep on talking about Beetlejuice too. No, damn it. What, Beetlejuice goes to Hollywood? What? Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, Michael Keaton and uh, Winona Ryder have agreed to it. Yeah. Yeah. Although, the the original initial plan, though, was Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you actually look up the synopsis and the ideas about it, you're kind of like, you know what? Maybe don't do that. Because... Ooh. Well, because let's see here. His last two were Miss Peregrine and Dumbo. Yep. So, in, in our own opinion, hopefully that does mean that the next one is a good one. We're due, like George said. Yeah. Uh, just, just then, quick things of signing off here. Uh, Mr. Nick, would you like to plug anything? Uh Facebook, Nick Wood, uh, Nickerish Chicken on Twitter. That's about it. Oh, hey, look at that. No, no Insta girl. Uh, it's been a long quarantine. George, I know you have nothing to plug, but you are just here. So I just want to say thank you. Th- thanks for always joining and having fun oh, with us. I don't mind. I literally have nothing better to do most days. Well, he does say the other one on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what he wrote down for a, his title on oh, here. You can always so. pick me out of the crowd. Everybody's serious, puts down their name, and then I'm just like, what the? I he did that like two he, sessions he literally ago. So. I just random keystroked in. Yeah, uh, I did see that. Um, uh, my my things I'll plug here: uh, Ian Novak on Facebook, GuyOloco89 on Twitter, and hopefully, if you all have enjoyed listening to this. Uh, please subscribe to this wherever you are listening to your podcasts here on Crazy Culture Inc. Uh, and just continue to be safe and just be the best you can be. You're a terrible and motivational speaker. Thank you all. Did I claim to be a good one? Yeah, now that uh, everything has opened up for you know everybody to go to. Yeah. Uh, I, I have my own personal things. Everybody has their own personal things. I don't claim to try to fix everybody. I just help That's as impossible. much as I can. Like if we can fix anything, well, Dave, Damon's a good starting point. 
<laughs> Good luck with that. Right? I'll get back to you in 20 years. Uh, other than that, guys, thank you for being here for and starting a whole new season because that is going to involve Halloween. Oh, yeah. Till then. And now, crazy poultry fans, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, a certain somebody wasn't able to be here live with us, but I'm editing him in now because I have him now available. So, Mr. Gobbler Damon, tell me your quick thoughts and feelings on Tim Burton as a director and creator. Well, let's see. Tim Burton as a director and creator. I think his mind is messed up but I think that's what makes it so good is he's created some of the most iconic I mean one iconic movies but just iconic characters in general I mean he's he's I, I want to use the word revolutionary because some of the things that he does is just you know it, it's very the if I could use a phrase to like pick him perfectly it would be there's method to my madness because some of the things, like, I hear sometimes I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. But then, like, you see the after product, and you're like, you know what's beautiful? It's amazing. That's, that's Tim Burton for me. Okay. And after seeing what all of us put down for as, you know, our rankings and stuff, which we have gone over all of them. However, I'm going to give him the paper now and have him react to the rankings. So... Damon, tell me some of your feelings on where these landed. Let's see. Honestly, a lot of these I'm not surprised on. This is actually a pretty, very decently averaged out list, I would say. Would you, and would you say it's pretty close to when we did our own bracket system, too, when we narrowed it down? I think so. I think it's relatively close although some of these i noticed like you know corpse ride wasn't on there frank was frank and weenie on there uh no yeah it was um but i know corpse ride was not yeah it was oh well I'm just when when we did the slow. when we did the bracket the only the only ones that weren't included were nightmare because it was for his directing yeah. and, and then dumbo no and james and the giant peach because he, again he produced oh, it yeah yeah okay yeah so that was the only two but even then, like, I feel like the list is still relatively comparable, I would say. And as I said earlier, the only thing that I'm a bit more of a surprise is how high James yeah. made it. Because, again, it's over Sleepy Hollow, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, and Frankenweenie. Well, but that's but that's my opinion. I would argue, you know, I would argue with some of those because those are, you know, especially Sweeney Todd, I actually think that's, it's really underrated on exactly what it is but uh corpse ride too corpse ride was actually really solid but uh yeah no james was like you know it was a movie from my childhood like that's you know it's a it's a solid movie and i i think probably me and nick share that sentiment for sure because i really i i think it's very solid okay and uh also because i asked them too um if you had to pick five of these that Basically, you feel like the most connected with, like that it represents you some in some way. What five would you pick? Five that represents me in a way. Let's see. The first one I definitely got to go with. 
That's really hard for me, actually. I. Probably. Hmm. Wow, that's uh, very on the spot. Um, definitely, probably Edward. Definitely Edward would probably be up there for sure. Except yeah. Five. Yeah. Okay. Probably a little bit of Beetlejuice. Okay. And then. I'd say probably. Uh, definitely a little bit of Mars Attacks because. A little bit of wackiness in my life. Uh, big fish. And I'm going to say Pee Wee. Yeah. Uh, it might be a recap on here, but just so that you can hear it. Mine were Ed Wood, Ed, Edward Scissorhands, Batman 89, uh, Big Fish, and Pee Wee. Yeah. Because of that child sense of humor still in me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I could probably agree with that, too. I, I think I only choose Mars Attacks because, like, I'm very spontaneous and, you know, no one knows really what to expect of me. And Well, clearly amongst all of us, you are the one going against the grain with Mars Attacks. <laughs> you know what? I will fight tooth and nail <laughs> to say that I think Mars Attacks is actually a decently solid parody movie because if we look at Ed Wood... Ed Wood being about the director that, you know, sh- you know, shoddy kind of 50s, like the, you know, the alien movies, like those are like, those are a staple. And if I look in the future, that's kind of what I get out of Mars Attacks. I think Mars Attacks is supposed to be like his take on what one of those films would be. Kind of a crazy alien. The aliens even kind of remind me of something you would see in like a 50s kind of like, you know, monster feature kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I feel about Mars Attacks. Yeah, you know what the aliens remind me in Mars Attacks of? The Star Wars Holiday Special with the Wookiees. Because you just hear the same sound over and over again, and there's no goddamn subtitles. (laughs) But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. So, uh, And finally, because again, I asked them also this, uh, how do you feel about wrapping up a whole year of doing and being a part of this podcast team and what is your hope and outlook for the future? Honestly, I love it. It's it's fun, you know, kind of to get into uh, talk about films and, you know, just talk about things that we love and enjoy. Like, it's it's very interesting. And I, I always love podcasts anyways. So, like, being, being to, you know, being to be able to be a part of one is pretty awesome and i mean for the future i mean just to do more and maybe you know increase the fans and you know let let other people hear our opinions and let us you know let us kind of let people know our stances that's a, that's a big thing it's just you know people knowing where we stand especially on movies like you know mo- movies are not like strict okay like people can have feelings about movies whether they're against the grain obviously or you know a part of the grain like that's it's that's just what it is like you know just i just want people to enjoy movies well let let them enjoy what they want to enjoy exactly exactly and you know uh i i've mentioned it about my uncle and i probably doing stuff but we'll actually might be including more music stuff in here too so kind of look out for that if you ever want to join in about that too 
Oh, definitely. You know, I, I, I definitely love music, too, so. Because with today, I kind of had to open up the range of being able to talk about certain things. <laughs> like, Fargo has even brought up, what, what, how about, like, a comic thing? I'm like, well, you guys are going to have to read it, then I push record because I'm not going to get there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hey, I, I'm, I'm always down for that, too, if that's, you know, if that's what it comes to, doing, like, a comic hour or something, or just... You know, even just a hero talk in general. Maybe you know, bringing in like our favorite heroes and kind of discussing them. You know, no, we want who Fargo's gonna pick. <laughs> I, I I'm feeling Nightwing. Yeah, yeah, I don't. J- just to piss you off. Yeah, uh, maybe. Because <laughs> then, because then you'll have to battle for Batman now. <laughs> right. I I have a couple. I have a couple swingers that I can throw in. Well, other than that. Thank you for finally stopping by and getting your Burton thoughts out, Damon. Um, again, I'm sure I'm sorry and you were sorry that you weren't able to be there live with us. But you've gotten your opinion out now and hopefully we'll continue to keep this on. And once everything kind of gets more back to normal, it'll be more personal talks <laughs> and not through the phones and the airway. Oh yeah, definitely, and I and I'm always down to talk about Tim Burton. He, I mean, like I mentioned in the beginning, he's made some of the most iconic characters of all time. Like, you know, thinking about just the original Batman film, if he did no other film besides Batman '89, he would still be probably known as like, hey, he's the guy that did like Batman. Like that's you know, it's a big movie, but then he still has a list of characters. Like you know, Edward Scissorhands is one of the most iconic characters of all time. Jack Skellington is probably his most profitable character of all time. And just to throw in a quick wrench here, but how about what you notice about some of the ones that are low? What were those kind of remakes? Yeah, no, that's definitely a big thing. Like, you know, the only one that I don't really see is Miss Peregrine, but... Well, that that was based on a story. But as far as, you know, yeah, I mean, looking at them, yes, you're right. Dark Shadows, definitely remake. Alice, remake. Charlie, Dumbo, and Planet. Yeah, as soon as I was writing this list and I was saying it, I'm seeing a pattern here. You, you want to know my explanation on why Dumbo is farther down the napes? Because you haven't seen it? That's a big thing. And <laughs> one, they changed Dumbo. And I, I'm not a fan of them changing things up. Like when, you know, when, I mean, they could have done more and I mean I I've, I can watch apes like I'm, I'm not like I don't hate it to the point where it's like oh this makes me want to rip my eyes out so I, I just like yeah I could I could sit and, like if it was on TV or something I could probably sit and just be like alright this is what's on well I already got out why apes is without a doubt would oh, be at the bottom for me How, however I do have Charlie and Chocolate Factory actually as my worst so and I've I've told you why I, uh, if for the listeners, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a movie that I'd seen when you know it came out, and I I didn't necessarily uh, hate it, but I didn't necessarily love it, especially you know because like the first one is like basically my favorite movie of all time, mm-hmm. so seeing it, I was like, eh, you know I I took it as it is because you know I like Johnny Depp and stuff, but I have a younger sister for all of you who don't know. Uh, and she loved that movie, and so I've seen it about 875 times. So, a- after a while, you just kind of be like, yeah, you know, 
I don't, I can't hate it because I've seen it so much that it's just like ingrained into my head that I can almost repeat it. So that's why it's, you know, third, <laughs> third from the bottom. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you get out of here, Damon, because I know you got to be somewhere. And normally I would be saying, plug your shit, but you don't like to plug anything. So just say your final words out to the listeners about Burton and your future. Well, just I, I would just encourage people to go out and watch some Burton movies. I mean, that's Halloween's coming up. Yeah, exactly. And there's plenty along his list that you could use as Halloween movies for sure. So, I mean, go check it out. Go watch the Nightmare Before. I know it's playing on every station that plays freaking Halloween movies. So I I know it's going to be on. So can't use that as an excuse. And it's on everything. Okay, like go watch Nightmare Before Christmas. And just also another recap here. However, you can say that two of these you can put for Christmas also. Nightmare and Batman Returns. Yes. It is a Christmas movie. Or Edward. Yeah, very true. Which that might be another topic at some point. Like Christmas themed that aren't looked at necessarily as Christmas. But Yeah. uh, yeah, once again, thanks for stopping by here and getting your thoughts out. And... See you guys next time. Uh, I'm hopefully going to, again, try to be doing something for October every weekend, except for one, because I obviously won't be able to, but we'll get to that. And if you want to be a part of that, we'll see what happens. So until then, see you guys next time, and thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed.